You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avtsan on 101.9 High FM. DJ, are you paying attention today? Good. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Afson, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Chill here on Soul to Soul. The Farangan Show every Tuesday from 1 to 2 in the afternoon. 34519 is our SMS number. Our WhatsApp is 061-895-1019. Okay, DJ. What are we going to talk about today? So, as I was preparing for the show, I was thinking back to... The, my week, what, what was a, a theme that came over and over? And when you actually think about your day or your week and you actually try to put it together as a theme, it's actually quite interesting what you come up with. And what came up for me is the importance to share your life with others. The courage to not carry the burden of life alone. We often talk about that it takes a village to raise, raise a child. But does it only take a village to raise a child, or does it take a village to support an adult as well? It's almost as if when a, when a child is young, we surround them with parents, grandparents, please God, teachers, therapists, Friends, social life, schooling system, systems and systems and systems and camp systems and exercise regimens and karate and music and the whole full spectrum of support. And as we get older, we finish school, we maybe get married, maybe don't. But suddenly we find ourselves much more on the giving end of life, which is the way it should be. An adult is not a, no longer a taker. It's a giver. But the problem often happens is when we're only takers, only givers and not takers in our adult life. And we, we start imagining that we're supposed to carry life alone. And that's a problem. Because none of us can carry life alone. We are social beings. In the words of Maimonides, Ha'adam hu medini. The human being is a social being. We are created to not be an independent unit, but rather a, a unit that at times is independent, at other times it's codependent, Interdependent, rather. The, sometimes we have to be alone, but sometimes we have to share. But we're not going to go into this topic without some music, DJ. It just doesn't make any sense. Because what, 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 the reason why I, want, I start each show with music is because we're told that music literally is one of the highest gates in heaven. It, when a person listens to some music, it opens them more than any word of the wisest person can ever. So... We're going to start with an upbeat song from Mordechai ben David, one of his most famous songs, Mashiach, here on 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Rabbi Levi Avzan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul, and we today are talking about the, cor- the courage to open up and share with others. 
Often when people call this generation the therapy generation, they don't say it as a compliment. Once upon a time, you just got on with life. What's this thing you're going and talking and sharing your life? Come on. Be a man. Grow up. Deal with it. Bite your tongue. Are we living in a time that is problematic from that point? You know, it's very easy and it's so wonderful and I've, I'm, I've fallen into that trap a million times to compare once upon a time to today and make believe as if once upon a time was garden and roses and lilies and today is um, the devil's kingdom and none of us know what we're doing because once upon a time everyone knew what they were doing and as generations are moving on, it's just getting worse. And we even have proof because it says in the Talmud that you read the Sadiris that generations go down and their value system and their headspace goes down. So that's proof that everything is evil now and once upon a time was great. Well, go to a history lesson and discover that there's not even a shred of truth to that statement. But specifically on this topic, is it wrong that more and more people are reaching out especially the generation, um, the Y generation or whatever generation it's called, the millennials, um, more and more are appreciating the value of sharing lives and therefore chat rooms and therapy rooms and support groups for various areas, AA, NA, um, have come in the last, I don't know, 70, 80 years and really taken over the world, more and more people realize that when you're going through real difficulty in life, you'll get tremendous support in a group. So if somebody's struggling with alcohol, they go to Alcoholic Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. When people are going through grief, they'll often go to support groups of people of grief, people that struggled with suicide in families, they'll go to support groups. When tragedy hits, more and more of us are realizing that we need support. But I would argue two things. Number one, that not enough people are reaching out for support even when things are difficult. And number two, even when things are not difficult, or rather, even when things are not that difficult, and it's the regular day-to-day of so-called normal life, we still need to reach out. And I'm not saying it has to be a paid person. It has to be another person. In the words of the Talmud, Daga believe ish yesichena. When a person has Daga worries, yesichena, they should talk it out. And the rabbis explain yesichena la'cherem, share it with others. DJ, I don't know if you've ever tried it, but when, when, when your, your day is overwhelming, and, and, and our life often becomes overwhelming, Unless you're living in a cave with no family, no um, news, and eating nothing other than mushrooms, if you're living life, chances are life gets stressful. We're not just computers in our minds, we're emotions. And often you could just get through an emotional overload. 
It doesn't have to be because your life is terrible. Just life. What do we do with that emotion? So sometimes you can go for a run. Sometimes you could write some nasty letter in your diary and then rip it up because you don't want to make you want to make sure nobody will ever discover it. Sometimes you'll punch a wall, and then your, your wife comes home and says, "What happened to that wall?" You're like, "I just I have no idea. I don't know." Obviously, like you know, a rat just yeah, I don't know. Um, but often the answer is to talk. Now. In different areas of our life, there's different people to talk. It doesn't have to be the same person. But don't, we don't have to carry life alone. But the tragedy is that often you see people who are going through really difficult times. You see it, it's painted all over their face. Or it's no secret what they're going through. Unfortunately, their tragedy or their circumstances is no secret. And yet they're unwilling to open up. They walk around with a stiff upper lip. How's everything? Great. Really? Absolutely. Want to talk about it? Excuse me? Why? Where does it say that to be brave is to bottle it up and face the world with toughness and no vulnerability? Do you really think it's making you a good person, keeping all that anger and hurt and disappointment and sadness inside? I'm not saying the answer is to go, you know, take a machine gun and kill, you know, kill people because of that. No. I'm saying there are healthy ways for us to deal with our feelings, and that is to, to have support systems. No human being can live alone. That's not the way God created the world. God created the world in which we're interdependent. And that's why when God created Adam and Eve, we're told very, very soon after his birth, Adam is looking for a companion. And he turns to God and he says, why don't I have a companion? That's the first request he actually has from God. The first. The first thing that really bothers him is, what, 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 I see every animal comes in pairs. I see that there's the male-female energy in plants. I see the male-female energy in everything in the world. Where's my partner? And God then does the, the surgery and separates, and then you have Chava standing next to him, Eve. From the beginning... The human being understood the obvious piece of knowledge. We can't do this alone. We're not supposed to do this alone. You know, often people will talk about the great heroes, Avram, but Avram came with a partner, Sarah. Yitzchak came with a partner, Rivka, Rebecca. Yaakov came with his partners, Rachel and Leah. The 12 tribes had their partners. Moshe had his brother, had his wife for a while. Aaron. His brother Aaron. That's the way the world is created. And yet in a world of 7 billion people, 
so many of us are lonely. Really? Is, have you found nobody to talk? Is your story that unique that you can't find empathy and understanding in anybody? Well, either it's time to choose a, a, a new social circle because yours is so not cool, or you're actually not seeing the social circle for what it is. And if you look around, you'll see that there's people who want to help. If only you talk. If only you share. We don't know what to say. We don't know how to not overstep our boundaries. Talk to us. Share. Be vulnerable. I want to play now a song from Ben Snuff. It's called Shir Lamalot. If I under, if I know the song, it's the song I turn to God and I say, "Where's my help?" And my help is from God. Because more than any support we could get from our fellow human beings, the greatest support is what we get from our Creator. Here on 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. That song that you just heard from Ben Snuff is, it's not his song, it's an old song. Shir La Ma'alot. It's chapter 121 in Tehillim. The beautiful book. It's one of those books that in Jewish life by some is so popular and by some are barely used. Throughout history, the book of Tehillim written by King David was Psalms, the, the book that everyone reached out to before they even spoke to a friend, before anything, they would reach out and say Tilim. And fortunately, there's many, many people who still say it. Some people will say it every day. There's a beautiful custom of splitting the Tehillim. It's already split. It's split up for the 30 days of the month, of the Hebrew month, and it's also split up for in a different way for the seven days of the week. So some people will finish it once a month. Other people will finish it once a week. And there's other customs that on the Shabbos that we bless the new month, which is actually this coming Shabbos, to say the whole Tehillim as we're about to ask God to give us a new month. Hashem should renew our month. We prepare for it by saying the entire book of Tehillim. Now, it might sound like a monstrous, um, impossible task the first few times, but eventually you can say it. Some people say it in an hour and 45 minutes, two hours, an hour and a half. Well, you have to become fluent in it. Obviously, in the first time, it could take four or five hours. But it's, it's a doable task, and it's the kind of book that we should all be familiar with. It's the kind of book that should be on our lips all the time. Because one thing I could guarantee you about your Bubbis and Zaydis and the Shtetl, that if I, had to take them, if I had to take you back 100, 150 years from the Shtetl, and I would find your ancestors on a typical evening at home, I could pretty much guarantee you 
that they either had a tilim in their hand or there was a tilim on their lips because they knew the whole book by heart and they were just saying King's David, King David's Psalms. And it's beautiful to see how in this town so many people have retaken to that custom, but there's still many who haven't. And I would encourage that one of the greatest companions that we can have is the book of Tehillim. It's amazing. It really is. And like it, the, King David, don't know if you know much about him. It's not a history show. King David was one individual who for 70 years knew pain and suffering and loneliness and, and struggle and adventure and relief like I don't think anybody else in history. If you don't believe me, go read the book of Samuel, Shmuel 1, Shmuel 2, the book, it's the books of our prophets, the book of Kings. And you could actually just read this book of Tehillim, the book of Psalms, and see what the man went through. Just to give you a small little sample, fine? Do you know anything about King David? Okay, he lived 70 years. For the first almost 30 years, his own father thought he was an illegitimate child. So, um, which he wasn't, but for some crazy story, uh, he, um, his father and his brother suspected of being illegitimate. So he was thrown to the far to the garden, and he was he, a farm boy, and he wasn't part of the prestigious Yishai Jesse family. Nobody even talked about him. And whenever things would go wrong in town, everyone would blame him because he was the illegitimate child. He was the kid that wasn't exactly from good lineage and from good history. And only his mother knew that he was actually a kosher child, a good child. That's the first 30 years of his life, plus minus. Then suddenly the prophet Shmuel, the prophet Samuel shows up and anoints him as the new king of the Jewish people. And his brothers look at him and say, are you kidding me? That farm kid? That loser? He, he just, he, he got, what? He got appointed? Anyway, but the story's not over. They still take, it takes them a long time for them to accept him. His own brothers are very condescending to him. When he, came, when he comes to the famous story of David and Goliath, his own brother screams at him and says, what are you doing over here? Go back to your job. No one asked you to mix in, etc., etc. Finally, he kills Goliath, and King Saul is so impressed, and he allows him to marry his daughter, because although David was supposed to be the king, there was still a king named King Shaul, and he marries his daughter, and suddenly King Saul starts getting suspicious that this dude is going to be taken over his kingdom, so he tries to kill him, his own son-in-law, three times, chases him to the, into the woods, and finally, when King David does become king after his father-in-law is killed in battle... You think he has peace. He has service with his wives. And he has service from his kids. His own kid Avshalom tries to kill him. He has to escape from his own son. And he has a son, Adeniyahu, who wants to become king in David's lifetime. He wants to steal the crown from his son. I'm telling you. Then you have the story of one, of one son who literally um, abuses a daughter. It's an unhealthy relationship. Amnon and Tamar. It's, it's, it's absolutely mind-blowing what this person went through. And I'm telling you, I haven't even told you the whole story. 
And that's all in 70 years. And he happens to be the king of the Jewish people. And if you think there was peace and love over there, he was waging wars with neighboring nations all the time. There was never a day of peace. And there is that person. And he pours his heart out in the most beautiful book, the book of Tillim, the book of Psalms. Have you read it? You should. Chapter 23, Hashem Roi God's my shepherd. Chapter 22, Keli Keli Lama Zaftani, my God, my God, why have you left me? It's, it, it's endless, it's endless. Many of it was composed by him. Much of it he took from the Jewish tradition. And he, things that Moshe said, like Tefillah LeMoshe, chapter 90, a prayer that Moshe gave, etc., etc. And he gathers it all together and he puts it into this beautiful 150-chapter book. The shortest one is two verses. The longest one is 176 verses. It's actually almost one following another. The shortest one is chapter 117. The longest one is chapter 119. incredible and i would just encourage uh, on on these radio waves if you haven't or if you have reach out to the book the the great masters the jewish masters have taught us that what a chapter of telim can do people have no cannot imagine in the words of, I think, the, the great Samach Tzedek, who says that if we knew what the power of Tilim, we wouldn't stop saying it the whole day. It can literally rip through heavens and reach God himself. When it's said with a beautiful, whole heart. Not only when we're going through difficult times, that's when many people grab the book of Tilim and they just say it with tears, but even on a regular day. Many people have a custom to say a chapter of Tehillim for each of their children. So, for example, if their child is eight years old, they'll say chapter nine because the child is in the ninth year. And they'll say for their children. Many people say for all their grandchildren, obviously for themselves, for their spouse, for the people they care about, for people that are sick. I know know a, a wonderful Jew who's far from a simple person. He's a very sophisticated person who tells me that he spends an hour, an hour and a half every day just saying Tehillim for various people, all his grandchildren and children, this and that. Now, many people will see Tehillim as a, a thing for the simple people. You know, I'm a sophisticated person, so I'm going to learn all day. Well, there's room for that as well, but there's also room to have a emotional and vulnerable connection to God. We spoke earlier about having a vulnerable connection with our human being, with our fellow human being. But the truth is that the greatest vulnerability is to have a vulnerable connection with God. Some of us, all of us, I'd imagine, believe in God. But some of us will say, you know, it's like, God is too busy to deal with my life. I've heard so many people say that. So I never really talk to him from my heart. It it doesn't feel comfortable. So even when I pray the Amidah, which is the most important prayer in in the Jewish book, in the Jewish prayer book, in the Siddur, I'll think about other people. I'll think about Chaim Shmerel and Sadeh and and all the other people and, and her and him and whatever's going on in other people's life. But like... It's 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 not it's it's not the space for me to talk about my own life, really. A God that doesn't care about your life, a God who's so big to not care about your life, in my opinion, is no God at all. A parent 
who's too big to care about their five-year-old's dramas is not a parent. Often you sit there seeing, you know, your five-year-old son or daughter walks over to you and starts saying, so dad, this happened in school and that happened in school and he said that and she said that. And if you're half decent of a dad, I'm not saying if you're the most sophisticated dad on the planet, you don't sit there saying, hey, but grow up, man. Deal with it. Don't want to hear about it. You sit them on your lap and you, you hear about that she said that and she didn't want to play with me and he said that and he threw this thing on that and the teacher was uh, got upset and she got upset. The teacher and the whole Megillah, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. If you're too big to care, you're not a father or a mother. You're nobody. So that whole stupid, I'm sorry for using that word, that stupid philosophy that says, God is too big to care about my life. Well, sorry, if a God's too big to care about your life, you're talking to the wrong God in the first place. Because he ain't no parent. He doesn't care. If you can't open a book of Psalms, or not even open the book, just talk to your heart, from your heart to God. You're sitting in the car, and you have a five-minute ride from one place to another, instead of just turning on the radio or turning on to some music that you've heard a thousand times, you actually just use the opportunity to talk to God. I, by the way, I, I've said it before on the radio, I think driving is the best time to think, to meditate, to connect to God. It's just great. Because you don't have to pick up the phone calls. You're driving. You have a good excuse why you're not answering your phone. And you could just engage. But if, if God isn't somebody we can't talk to, then... Don't know. We actually are barking up the wrong tree. In the word of one famous sage, you're going to like this. He, told, he turns to an atheist. The atheist says, Edward, I don't believe in God. And the sage turns and says, the God you don't believe in, I don't believe in either. The God you don't believe in, I don't believe in either. You know, it's very funny when believers and atheists have an argument. Do you believe in God? Do you believe? I don't believe in God. Chances are we're not talking about the same God, brother. And the God that the atheist often doesn't believe in, I don't believe in either. This big God with a, with a white beard, throwing darts at people and just saying, how can I make your life miserable? Oh, I see you've sinned four times today. Okay, time to burn you. A judgmental, angry, easy faribaldic, that means easy to disappoint God. Nah, sorry. I don't believe in him either. A, a, a loving God, a caring God, a compassionate God, a creator who's involved in my life, Hashkacha Pratis, literally involved in every detail of my life and is there for me and is just waiting to, for me to call out and to build a connection. Oh, that's a God I believe in. And that's the God that exists. Hashem Hashem Kel Rachel God of compassion and of love. We all have a friend, and we all have someone to talk to, even if you don't see it in the social circle, even if your, your, your close support group is not much of a support group. Talk to God. Have you tried it? Try it again. Here on 101.9 Chai FM. 
You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM. Okay, so here's the question. The question is that we really have to ask ourselves is, is God too busy to care? We just, we, we spoke about it a bit earlier. I want to sit on that topic. Like, I'll ask you, do you ever sit and cry when you talk to God? Oh, man, I mean, really, like, seven billion people? I have a lot to be grateful for. ISIS hasn't come after me yet. Nobody's burning my house down. Well, they might be taking my land, but whatever. Life is good. I have nothing to cry about. Really? When you're going through an overwhelming day, what do you do? Do you feel that God is so distant that if you want to cry your heart out, he's going to be like, sorry, Jack, man. You know, like, there's, there's people with much bigger issues than you. I really don't want to hear from you, brother. Honey, grow up. Sister, I don't want to hear that. Really? DJ, God is there. And God is waiting for us to engage. We're told that we, we don't know why God created heaven and earth, but we understand the what. God created heaven and earth to have a relationship with the human being. In the words of the Medrash, Nis'ave God had a desire, to have a home here in this world, to have a relationship with a, with a human being. When you're reaching out to God, you're, you're not getting on God's nerves. As I said earlier, that's not a God. But more than that, the fact that you're not getting on His nerves, that's what He wants. And sometimes maybe our life is difficult just because God's waiting for us to say, Hey! Engage! Talk! Cry! Big boys don't cry. Really? That's not big. If somebody is so tough and so non-vulnerable that they can't cry to their creator, I don't think that's big. I think that's weak. We're told that the greatest sages had great minds, but when it came to their faith, they had the faith of the simple person. In the words of the Talmud, I want to pray like a young child with that same sincere faith. When a four-year-old is praying to God and saying, Hashem, there's no sophistication to it. There's no complexity. It's just God exists. They can't tell you what God is or who God is, but they know that God exists. And a great person of faith is not somebody who became so strong that they can't reach out to God. That's weakness. And if you, if you don't believe me, look at the book of the, of the five books of Moses, the Chumash, and look the way Moshe, the leader of the Jewish people, cries out to God. All the time. And boy, he had a lot to cry about. I mean, th- those Jews in the desert were quite the package. But he cried out to God. And he speaks to God literally as if he's talking to, to a friend. I can't do this. I can't carry them. 
He, at times he talks softly, at times he cries, at times he talks tough. We saw it in last week's Parsha. Vim ayin, God, and if you don't forgive the Jewish people, erase me from the book you've written, says Moshe to God. Moshe talks to God at times with strength, at times with, with, with tears, at times with weakness, whatever it is, but at every time he's engaging. He's engaging. So many people have told me that they went to Jerusalem. You should go to Jerusalem one day. And they're standing at the Western Wall, the holiest place on earth. The place where our two temples stood and our third temple will please God stand, the coming of Mashiach. And they just stand and touch the wall. And tears come to their eyes. And they tell me how liberating it is for the first time in their life to actually have an emotional connection with God to be able to put their head in the stones and, and just cry believe me we cry about the dumbest things on the planet right you go to an emotional movie and then the main character dies it's heartbreaking or he wanted her to marry him the whole movie, and finally, after an hour and 45 minutes of uh, twists and turns, they're standing in the snow, and she says, Oh my God, that's incredible. Really, we waste our tears on the stupidest thing. <laughs> or our, our boss, you know, gave us a uh, salary cut. I mean, that, that, that's a real reason to cry. But... To cry to God, oof, that's dingy, man. I mean, like, really? Uh, I'm a big boy, man. I'm, you know, like, I'm big. I'm, I, I don't do that kind of stuff. Really? The, your creator? You, you cannot be vulnerable? It's not about how many tears you shed. You can't be vulnerable and just turn to God and say, God, help me. Help. That of a help me, save me. Give me clarity. I cannot tell you how many times in my life, millions, on the small things of life, you just turn to, I turn to God and I say, God, I'm about to go into a situation that's a bit stressful. It could go either way. Please help me. And you just feel God's presence with you at that moment. And you walk out an hour later from a very important meeting or conversation or challenge and you just like, wow. Wow. God was there with me. The single biggest, most damaging view a person can have is that God is too big to care. Because then that person feels alone. If you think that God is unable to be the personal God of 7 billion different people in their own way, then you're not understanding, not even beginning to grasp God. God, the definition of God's infinity is He can be to each and every one of us. The who ye Elikim, He could become my God, in the words of Jacob. Kaili Kaili. My God. My God. You should love God, your God, in a singular form. It's your God. 
God has different relationships with all 7 billion of us. Your relationship might be very different than mine. But if we are so stiff that we cannot see God as a shoulder to cry on, then we have to ask ourselves one simple question. Do I actually believe in God? Or am I just giving lip service? You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. I want to finish off the show with a story. I might have shared it before, but the good stories never get old. So the story goes like this. There was once a guy that lived in a small town in, in Europe, in Eastern Europe. Let's call him Yankel. Fine? And Yankel was poor as synagogue mice. And literally didn't have a penny to his name. And it came time to marry his daughters off. And in good tradition, if you want to marry your daughters, you have to give a dowry. You have to give some guilt. He has nothing to give. And his wife starts niggling him and says, you know, there's a brother that you have that you haven't had much of a relationship with for a while. He lives all the way in Berlin. Why don't you go there and ask your brother for help? And he would always push it off and say, ah, man, like, I, don't, like, I don't know if my brother, like me and my brother have no relationship, blah, blah, blah. And she would nag him. Come on, go, 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 go. Finally, he gives in. He hires a horse and buggy. It pulls up in front of his house. His wife packs him a suitcase. He walks down the stairs, puts one foot on the wagon and tells the horse, the, the wagon driver, go, I don't want to, I'm, I'm staying here. His wife gives him, as they say in Yiddish, and tatas tata the, the wife starts screaming at him and says, have you lost your mind? Finally, after three years of begging you, I convince you to go. And now you, you just, you, you don't go? So he turns to her and says, my dear wife, number one, I don't even know if my brother's alive. Number two, I don't know if he has money anymore. Number three, he might be alive, he might have money, but maybe he doesn't want to give it. Who says he wants to share it with me? But God is alive. And God has what to give. And he wants to give. And therefore I'm going to trust in God. His wife puts her hands up and says, okay. Not long after, a group of soldiers with the captain stop by the town and they, they ask around who's the most honest person in the town and they find out that this is Yankel. So they come by and they say, Yank, uh, the, the captain says, I have a box of important stuff. I need you to watch o- over it. If I don't show up in a month, that means I was killed in battle. I have nothing to do with it. You can keep it. A month passes. He doesn't open the box. Finally, a month passes. The guy doesn't show up. He opens the box and he sees Gutegeld, lots of money and diamonds and the whole thing. He doesn't know what to do. Is it his? Is it not his? So he had a great teacher, a, a, a master. And he goes and he travels to the nearby town where his great teacher lived. And his great teacher was a, was a mystic, was a holy person. 
And as Yankel walks on the doorstep of his teacher's house, the teacher turns to him and says, God is alive. And he has. And he wants to give. And he did give. Go enjoy it. If I could just leave you with that message. God is alive. And he has. And he wants to give. And he will give. Let's just reach out. Signing off, this is Rabbi Levi Afton from Linksfield Shul here on 101.9 Chai FM.